This is an energy sport podcast. Insightful, in-depth and entertaining sports content from Napier to you. And welcome to Energy Extra Time, your weekly dose of engaged, unfiltered and analytical football debate from Scotland and the wider world of the beautiful game. You might have heard me put a wee bit of emphasis on the word Scotland there and that is because in the, that world of the beautiful game, Scotland are the best. What a performance on Monday night by Steve Clark's side. We're very, very excited to get our teeth stuck into it. So much so, we're recording this on a Wednesday evening. It's partly because I have a very busy Thursday. And it just what better way to spend a Wednesday night than chatting uh, and shooting the shit with my guys. So, introducing the panel. First up, we, are, we have spent the whole day together, pretty much, in his loving embrace. Um... And it's made me not want to see him for a good few days, actually. But uh, Jack Donnelly's still here. We'll see you on Friday, mate. Uh, about that. <laughs> oh well, this this I'm getting cancelled on again. Oh Jesus! Uh, hello. It's been it's been nice it's been spending time with you in the back of the radio studio, mate. But I've <laughs> been looking so forward to this is since like Monday the, night. The same as like being like round the bends at school. Do you think? Well, obviously, yeah. I mean, mm. every everyone knows the back of the radio studio is where it gets where it gets down and dirty. So that's. Mm completely untrue because we are two very sad individuals but we weren't sad on Monday night because Scotland are fucking brilliant aren't they speak for yourself speak for yourself speaking of sad individuals because he doesn't come to any plans because he's a loser I somehow let Strun Garvey back on my podcast he must have been scraping the barrel and nobody else was available I but I'm that. happy to be here all the same you were shouty that last week for not coming to plans on this podcast for revealing it was it worth it watching it with your dad spending time with your family was it worth it no, do you know what's even worse? Is my bus was delayed, so I missed the entire first half, which sucked. Do you know what? That's quite pleasing. I find that immensely... <laughs> I think I deserved it, if we're being honest. Immensely pleasing. And we're talking about Scotland. Who did you think we were going to get on as our last guest? Graham Sinclair. How's it gone? It's nice to be back on an audience with Sean and Graham. I'm hoping that Jack and Struan this week might have a chance to speak a bit more than last week. I'm not really that fussed, to be honest. No, that... just ask me other questions and that sounds yeah, good. That does sound good. Um, we're chucking Big Shout again because it just doesn't really fit with what we want to do this week and I make the rules. So if you've got a problem, um, if you actually just let us know via um, Twitter, that'd be great. So, Scotland are class. Scotland are heading for the playoffs. Scotland are going to be seeded in the playoffs, courtesy of a fantastic 2-0 victory at Hamden on Monday evening over Euro 2012 semi-finalists Denmark. Graham's told me to direct the questions to him. I am going to direct the first question to him because, as the most well-versed Scotland fan among us, where does Monday night rank? in terms of on-field performances in your time watching Scotland? It has to be at the top, at least in the conversation, is what I would say. It's hard to know exactly whether it's the best performance, but it's absolutely in the conversation. If I was to offer up an alternative, it would probably be one of the 
It'd be one of the games against France. And you can pick that next in that one. Mm-hmm. Well, it would be, probably be beating Ukraine 3-1. They were a World Cup quarter-finalist and we beat them 3-1 at Hamden in 2007. They're the ones that stand out otherwise, but to be in a conversation for the greatest Scotland performance of our lifetimes, that just shows how impressive Monday night was. You're absolutely spot on, Jack. You were at Hamden also, as was Graham Stranger loser, as I said. Um, but talk to me about uh, your pre-match arrangements, because I understand that you were with another panellist and you met the man, the myth, the legend, Billy Sinclair. I did indeed. Well, I didn't meet him. I met. I actually met him for the first time ahead True. of the Israel game. It was a very yeah. opportune uh, encounter in uh, the fact that I was stood in the train, uh, the train station waiting for the train out to Mount Florida and Cathcart and Billy and Graham were walking past me so I just grabbed them, pulled them into the line with me and met there. But I've told I, you I about doing that to people, Jack. You honestly need to stop. Yeah, no, but this time it was someone I knew at least. So, right, I mean, I that, so. that did yeah. help. Uh, but no, I, I, I had a great time. I had an opportunity to share a few pints with uh, Graham and Billy. Had a great chat. Uh, having a good time the entire time. And then headed out to Cathcart, met my mate and his family in the stadium for what was an unbelievable 90 minutes or however long it was with extra time as well. As well. Ended up missing the second goal, as I told you uh, earlier today. I Criminal. opened the door to come out of the bathroom as soon as the cheer went. So I almost broke my ankle and slipping on the way to sprint back down the stairs to my seat. So what a night and what a performance. Yeah, that's criminal. You missed that second goal. Because uh, what a moment that was. Go on, you go, Graham. That's such a... What are you in the toilet for? Five minutes the game? to go. What are you... you I'd... It's generally five minutes to go and you're going to the toilet. Are you okay? What's wrong with you? I was a bit of fucking piss in my seat, wasn't I, Graham? Do it then. Do it then. Do it then. <laughs> <laughs> You've got half time. I should, no, I should, I should have, because then, then I was getting a lift, up, a lift back up to Edinburgh off Amy, Amy Canavan in her brand new car, so she would have really appreciated me for that one. Oh, if it's Amy's car, I'm definitely pissing it. That's the perfect <laughs> opportunity. Stick <laughs> back with territory. That's new car, aye? Right? I'll show you. New car, I know anymore. BBC money, aye? <laughs> we did say we were going to keep this energy going. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's keep this energy going. Um, I will jump over to Struan. Talk to me when you were sat in your sad little house. How you <laughs> felt? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, how you felt when you saw that uh, lineup from Scotland? Because there was a little bit of speculation because of the number of players who were on uh, yellow cards or so many bookings that they could be suspended for Scotland's uh, World Cup qualifying playoff semi final. Who would start? And there were a few changes in there. So what were your thoughts as you saw that starting 11? You can slag me, but you need to leave my house alone. That's, that's Yeah, I do apologise. Sorry, Struan's house. That's okay. Um, it's such a, don't slag your house, you're leaving it. Yeah, true, actually. Say whatever you like. Um, <laughs> Fuck that. I was quite interested by the lineup. to be honest. I thought John Suter was a, was a really good um, inclusion. Obviously, a lot of us have wanted him to be in, and I'm sure we'll talk about him later on, but... The yellow cards were definitely a concern coming into this one. I think it's ridiculous the yellow cards carry on into the playoffs. I think if we were doing big shout, that's definitely worth a mention, the fact that they don't they don't reset. I think that's quite stupid, but it was a really disciplined performance and I thought the team were fantastic, to be honest, even though we were missing quite a few key players. Yes, I think you're absolutely spot on. Um, Graham, you have long been critical of Scotland's uh, pragmatic approach, is maybe a, a polite way to say it, 
under Steve Clark. But I, I don't know about you, but I got the sense straight from the off in this game that uh, Scotland were here to take this game. That they weren't going to be all guns blazing. They weren't going to sort of go absolutely mental with free-flowing football, but they were there to, to strike when the opportunity presented itself and really sort of try and take the game to Denmark. Yeah, it was... I kind of felt like going into it, I know there were stakes. I didn't really feel like there was all that much to lose from it. I mean, we've like, got nothing to lose and everything to gain. We've already got our playoff spot. Let's just put... With no pressure on actually getting to the playoffs, we we can play with some freedom. And if it doesn't go well, we'll, unsu- we'll be unseeded. It'll be a tougher game, but at least we're there and we've got a chance. I think they took that pressure, that lack of pressure, and really, that's probably what drove Scotland forward. And it's not that's not just this game. I think that's been a thing since the Austria game. I think that's the turning point in the campaign. Obviously, it's a turning point in the campaign. Mm-hmm. We've been on the front foot, I'd say, since that game today. I wouldn't just put that yep. down to Monday. And it it. It shows it's so much. We play so much better on the front foot because our it's the opposition, though, so isn't good. it? Because obviously you'd expect us to be on the front foot against more than yeah. But the fact we did that against such a high caliber opposition makes it even more impressive. It, at this point, I should. I feel like I should mention. I didn't want to mention it. They were missing a lot of players. They were missing some but players. They were missing their entire first choice attack and their best central midfielder Mark and probably Thomas Delaney. Hmm? Martin Braithwaite is but he's pretty good. He's he's a pretty good international player. Oh, in what yeah. he provides, so that was why I kind of caveated it. it might not be the best Scotland performance because it was a Denmark team that were missing out a couple of key players and really they could have they, they're playing for the unbeaten record or the ten wins, but that's not all that much. They qualified for the World Cup, so but yeah, considering the opposition, the way Scotland attacked, it was it was excellent to see. I thought. Something I've longed for. Something you've longed for. How nice. Um, Jack, the set pieces in this game were really uh, were constantly asking questions of Denmark. Mm. Um, even though Kasper Schmeichel was awarded a couple of soft uh, free kicks, in my opinion. But yeah. and that's eventually what got Scotland the opening goal. A great delivery from John McGinn found Liam Cooper at the back post who headed over for John Souter on his return after three years away from the national team and everything he's gone through to head down into the ground and into the back of the net. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Clark called it the best story ever. This Scotland team are immensely likeable and it's people like John Souter coming into the team and scoring such a big goal at such a great moment that really sort of solidifies the fact that this team's just in a really healthy spot at this moment in time. And also in a coaching sense as well, because obviously the addition of Austin McPhee, you can see that straight away from that set piece. No, absolutely. I think I, I thought that's the kind of initial angle you were going to take with the line of questioning. Oh. Yeah, it was, and then I did a thing called <laughs> um, going on a tangent, and then I tried to bring it back round at the end. Um, thank you, you for did. exposing my poor hosting skills. There. No, but the the best thing about it, you did bring it back round at the end. So okay, I can address the awesome McPhee first before I get on to Mister Suter himself. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think a lot of kind of eyebrows were raised when uh, Austin McPhee. Uh, get brought into the national team setup. I think people were just mostly remembering his kind of recent tenure at Hearts and kind of how that didn't really seem to pan out all too friend in, in, in an all too friendly manner. But I think it's been really good. I think Scotland have kind of been a lot more threatening from set pieces, which says something because considering how solid we've been under Clark, we're not the blessed for height in the Scotland team. I mean, you think aside from Dykes and McTominay, the others aren't really 
head and shoulders above anyone else, to be honest. And when you got players like Liam Cooper, who I thought had the best game for Scotland I've ever seen him play, to be honest, uh, on Monday night, I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Kind of rising above at the back post just to nod it back across and just ask questions. That's exactly what the McGinn corner was there to do, was to ask questions at the back post to get it put back in. And then, of course, Suter's right place, right time to nod it past Schmeichel. And I think we were talking about it when he scored the winner against Celtic on the opening day of the season for Hearts. This could well be the kind of season that gets Suter back on the map in terms of being considered for Scotland and potentially looking elsewhere further afield from Hearts because I think a lot of people have claimed that had he been injury-free, they could see him at a level much higher than he's currently playing at because mm. he's a fantastic uh, fantastic defender, fantastic footballer. And it's moments like that that are just going to be remembered for a long time for all the right reasons, thankfully, and it was a great moment to see. You're absolutely spot on. Um, Struan, we come into half-time, a goal up. There was other plenty of opportunities in that game, and it was one of those where you're thinking, Scotland have played so well up to this point at half-time, is it going to turn into a second-half performance where Scotland are looking to protect their lead and sort of sit in and do what they needed to do to get that series status? But it didn't prove that way at all. They went out there uh, fighting again, really put on a great show, and there were some lovely passing moves in there as well. It sort of just underlines how much of an impressive Scotland performance it was. Yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. I mean, we came into that second half knowing that Denmark were going to be up for it. They were probably going to make changes. And it's it's that five-minute period after half time that you, you just can't afford to concede. If you have a lead, you just need to keep your advantage and keep going. And I think we rode the storm that Denmark posed really well for the first 10, 15 minutes. And then we just got into the game and we started playing our stuff again. There was one moment in the first half that I, it was still at nil-nil. And a, a lot of people are saying on social media that we turned into prime Barcelona. And it was just absolutely fantastic. Unfortunately, Che Adams ended up taking the shot and didn't square it across to Robertson. But we were absolutely fantastic in an attacking sense. And that's one of the things that we have seen Steve Clark criticised for a lot with the Scotland setup is that we are too negative. And I think a lot of people feared that going in with a 1-0 advantage against Denmark, we were just going to sit back and, and almost wait for them to concede. But we didn't. We kept count, catching them on the counter-attack. And we were just fantastic to watch, to be perfectly honest. Graham, I'll come to you. and uh, You've attributed the way that we played in this game partly to a, a, sw- a slight tweak in the formation and um, I, I think Scotland did that throughout the night, they maybe moved little elements of the formation around but for the most part it was more of a 3-4-3 rather than the 3-5-2 that you see when uh, Lyndon Dykes partners Shea Adams most commonly. Why did that work so effectively for Scotland and is that the approach we need to take in games like this going forward? Well, it's the one that it, We changed that on Friday for the Moldova game and for that one, it was Armstrong that came in, and the keyboard kind of mayor, but it did kind of work. I think it provided more outlets on 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 Friday for the wing to the for the wing backs gave them more support. I feel like at times they've been quite isolated, but on Monday and even and on Friday, obviously because of what the contribution. The main thing the three four three does for me is that it gets John McGinn, our best player, in the positions he needs to be our most creative player. You look at Friday, he was crucial, he set up Nathan Patterson for the first goal, he set up Nathan Patterson's assist for the second goal, and yet on Monday, he was, yeah, he, his assist was from a corner, but... Mm. Well, such... Cooper heads it back across, but he gets the pre-assist yeah. for that, yeah, and the pre-assist for the but, second goal as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. But like, for the most part on Monday, his positioning was just like such, he was a constant threat for us, he set up Adams for uh, a chance that was just offside at the post, mm. uh, 
he also almost set up, almost pre-assisted the Armstrong third just after of the pre-assist. It just gets him forward, which is something we've craved and something we were really bewildered by after the Euros when it seemed like he was pushed back more yeah. and he kind of limited him. He's been pushed forward again in the 3-4-3 and not only... When we play 3-4-2, sometimes he goes a bit central and like I said, it can harm the wing-backs and the 3-4-3 allows him to play with someday. And I think that has proved such a beneficial thing for him and for the whole team. It brings him more cohesion and more easily set up attacking like patterns for us. And we saw that particularly, I would, I would look at uh, the chance that Adams had in the first half. The one that's been, <laughs> we're getting compared to Prime Barca where it gets, I think Christie tackles the ball from the Denmark boy and it gets played around and then it gets back to Christie and outside of the foot set 40 yards to Andy <laughs> Robbo. One touch and if Adams puts it back to Robbo, Robbo's clean through to hit it over the bar. Yeah, I was literally <laughs> just going to say that. Yeah. You but know my agenda. Was, I said that to I our think, pals. I thought we would have missed it I, anyway. I think that, although that was a bit of a mad counter, it also... Is one of these attacking patterns that can be set up by the formation? So I thought it worked fantastically well, and it really helped us in an attacking sense. Yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on. Um, I, I, just watching that game play out, I just at times you're going watching Scotland here, like it was, it really was um, exceptional. And it was Jack. I was a bit worried about it going the wrong way. That the fact we played so so well, but we did just have that one goal advantage, and you were begging Scotland to score a second and just uh, put us out of misery in, in, sense, in this, the sense of the anxiety that was sort of building up over the fact that this great performance and, and seeded status as well could be uh, snatched away from us at the last moment in a way that um, Scotland teams have done so much in the past. But uh, this, is a, this is a different team that we're mm. seeing now and uh, it's another counter-attack. The ball's won um, in midfield and uh, within nine seconds the ball's in the back of the net courtesy of um, a lovely, lovely finish from Shea Adams. And I know you missed it, um, uh, but the roof came off Hamden. Uh, when, oh, no, when I got that, that part. I literally yeah. walked out as the ball went round Schmeichel and I could just, he, I just saw limbs and an unbelievable roar. And that's when I almost decked it falling down the stairs to get back to my seat and celebrate. But I don't know. I think I was a little bit concerned, kind of going at the last 10 minutes, I think uh, Clark had kind of made a couple of substitution, substitutions, sorry, to just kind of see out the game. I think McLean came on, McKenna had to come on, uh, or McKenna came on and Ralston came on for uh, Robertson because he had to kind of go off, he went down a bit injured. But I wasn't ever heart in my mouth because uh, I think this Scotland team came out and what struck me most was that they were playing with a real sense of confidence mm-hmm. and I think I th- you saw that with the lovely passing moves McGinn being able to take on what four players at a time and not lose the ball every step he got further past another one and I was just more more jumping up and down in the in the stand the roulette as well <laughs> oh the roulette just oh, the, the, John McGinn, the McGinn spin is just uh, it's a thing of absolute beauty but there wasn't really any fear in terms of, oh, we, we're going to chuck this, it's it's uh, going to be Classic Scotland, because it's not Classic Scotland anymore. Classic Scotland is being able to get these results out. And we've seen it for six wins in a row now. Regardless of the situation, Scotland are going to find a way at this point in time. I mean, uh, you saw Israel 94th minute, Faroe Islands uh, 1-0 in the 86th after a really, really turgid and rubbish performance, uh, especially in the midfield. And then even when you're kind of missing players like Patterson and Hanley and Hendry and McTominay in this game and Lyndon Dykes as well, you're still able to go out and do that to the 10th best team in the world. I'll put it into perspective. There was a point where every pass was getting olayed by the Scotland fans (laughs) against European semi-finalists and uh, the 10th best team in the world. 
that is just the, the state that we're at with Scotland and it genuinely couldn't make me any happier. Sean, let me clear out a lane for you and ask you a question because I know you want to speak at some point. Uh, che Adams. <laughs> how good was he on Monday? Just tell us, like, just, 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 just throw off at the mouth on it, Shea Adams, for like 10 minutes if you like. That was going to be my next question. I was going to say, it's true. And, um, Graham, I think I said this to you before that I was getting a little bit frustrated with Shea Adams' performances for Scotland. Not, I didn't need him to be banging the goals in, but I just wanted something a little bit more. I felt like he was spurning too many opportunities. I felt like, even in terms of, well, his link up and build up play was good, it wasn't sort of commanding anyway. I know he's small in stature, but I still felt that there was more from him. And what we saw on Monday was all of that put together. He was absolutely exceptional. I mean, the, like I said, the hold up play for not being a massive guy up against like likes of was I thought was absolutely fantastic. His first touch is unbelievable. I mean, mm-hmm. to have a player of that technical ability, the time, a couple of times he just plucked out of the sky right there on his foot. Um, he could have had two or three goals my voice is going I don't have any water with me um, but I just thought I mean you said it better than me but um, striking has been strikers the, the, the centre forward position has been a problem for Scotland for a long 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 time and I, I don't know if I've seen a better performance than that Lyndon Dykes has been great and he's scored some really really important goals we would not have qualified for the, the playoffs if it wasn't for Lyndon Dykes he's scored us so many match winning goals or, or game changing goals but um, she Adams just had everything. I'm so so glad they got that goal towards the end and got to soak up uh, the, the. I was going to say the Hamden roar without sounding really fringy there, but I just, I, it just came out of me. So I'm going to stick with it anyway. Uh, why not? Um, I thought he was uh, exceptional. Is the word I kept saying to my pals. I just thought he was so 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 good. I mean, yeah, you, can, I was, you can talk about the historical context of his performance probably a little bit. Nah, more. I think I think you nailed it. Like, I can't remember a better centre forward performance for Scotland. And he was he was a standard amongst a standard performance on Monday. It was just that's like the simplest way to put it. I yeah, thought. he didn't get man of the match. I mean, I get it was a great story with John Suter. I understand, and John Suter was great in his distribution, which we is probably an underrated part of his game from uh, those who don't uh, go to Tynecastle every week because uh, he, he is a fantastic ball playing centre and a half. He's physically very good, and it was a great story, of course, scoring the, the first goal. But Shea Adams is the best player of that park by an absolute mile. He was so 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 good, but. Um, yeah, I mean, Stephen Fletcher and all those, Kenny Miller, but um, they're, they're little showings for Scotland, but um, I'm so, so glad that Shea Adams got to pull off a performance like that. And uh, Struan, talk to me, you were you were at home, so you experienced that Ali McCoy's commentary first time. Uh, me and Jack listened back to today uh, at uni, and it's just the noise he makes. He sounds like, I don't know, like a CP3 or getting chucked or something like that, or R2D2, I don't know, I'm getting my things mixed up. But it just, it goes mental, it makes us the most amazing noise and um, he poured out the feeling that we all had at that time of just sheer joy it's C-3PO not CP3 yeah uh, well, uh, mate I'm excited I know I know I like Star Wars but it was fantastic <laughs> Ali McCoy is just is just a national treasure to be honest you know I think he's just he just loses almost that professionalism when, when the goals come and it's absolutely fantastic and the, the the Stuart Armstrong goal that just went in as well, you know, you can tell he's just about off his seat screaming, thinking it hasn't gone in, but it's just fantastic. And I think I think McCoy actually said on commentary in the game as well, after Che Adams had scored, that it was deserving, to be honest, because it was one of the best performances of a striker without actually putting the ball in the back of the net before he did it, to be honest. He was just phenomenal, and that goal was just so deserving, to be honest. And he probably should have had an assist on the end of it as well, so... 
Yeah, it's it's just he does make games more enjoyable, Ali McCoy. To be honest, even though we're winning two 0 and it's absolutely fantastic, it's just great to to hear him playing along. Because at the end of the day, he's just a fan, isn't he? You know, he's he's just one of us reacting on commentary. Sure, I was wondering. Like, obviously, I would I would try being like being a Hamden for the world, but you do get get a better sense of how a game's going on the television. I'm just wondering for you, outside of the names we said, who stood out for you on Monday. I think it was a tough one because I think it was one of those games where you could honestly pick every single player. But I think one player who I was really impressed with who hasn't really had too much credit towards the end of the game was Callum McGregor. I thought he was absolutely excellent in the build-up. You know, so often he would pass and he would move and he would make himself available and he was always there as an option. And obviously, Callum McGregor is one of these players whose work does go unnoticed by the majority of fans, but he's absolutely crucial. And you can see it when he was playing. I think as well, talking about the 3-4-3, I think having him and Gilmore sort of in that nucleus works so well together. And I think that's one of the reasons that John McGinn has that freedom to push up because they are so solid. And I think another player who perhaps deserves a little bit more credit is Stephen O'Donnell because domestically this season he's been absolutely terrible. Nathan Patterson was fantastic against Moldova. Tony Ralston came in. But Stephen O'Donnell tends to save his best performances for Scotland for the big games. We saw it last year against Serbia, saw it in the summer against England. And once again against Denmark on Monday, I thought he was absolutely fantastic. It's it's hard to really pinpoint an exact player because everyone was fantastic. And even Craig Gordon came up with some good saves here or there as well. It was... It's just such an all-round performance, you know, I'm just smiling saying it now because it's rare that you talk about a Scotland performance where every single player put a shift in and, and was good. Yeah, just uh, I think we can sort of go through players uh, and all that in a bit, but just uh, to sort of wrap up the game itself, I thought that um, when we're talking about Alan McCoy's commentary, you've got to mention um, for that chance that Graham alluded to earlier, the one where... Um, McGinn releases Adams and then he squares it for Armstrong. It's a fantastic lock from Simon Kier, but it's just Ali McCoy's going, oh no, oh no, no. <laughs> As it builds up, because and it means that positively. Like we're playing so well that he's going, oh no, no. Like, he can't believe his eyes that Scotland are, are playing uh, so fantastically. So um, I love it. It seems, it seems as though he's like trying not to. Celebrate into the mic at that goal. You can, it's almost, you can hear him like in the background of I, the like mic. He sprinted in the background, like he's ran <laughs> off and he's. <laughs> I think it's probably what's happened is he's like he just like leapt up in the air and just he's like dropped something, so you can just hear him like. On Crocker's mic half the time. I think that might have been what happened for the second goal. <laughs> <laughs> it's so so I'll, good. Might have launched his mic like halfway down Hamden. Oh, Pops him in the, the back of the head. Oh. <laughs> Um, yeah, and talking about, uh, I, I don't know if you even can talk about individual players that much. So maybe I'll I'll talk about a position, Jack, and uh, an area of the pitch, and that midfield is so so good. <laughs> oh honestly, think Pep's mid- midfield three would struggle at Barcelona against those three. They're so fucking good. Um, Callum McGregor, we slagged him for Scotland for so 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 long, and. Uh, there's been bumps in the road, but Belgrade was a turning point. He was man of the match in Scotland's Absolutely. biggest game for a generation. And since then, like I said, there ha- it's not been uh, a, a complete upward trajectory, but so many good performances along the way, often in these really, really big games, where his running, his passing, his breaking up the play, his covering for those two left-sided defenders has uh, been a massive part of Scotland's success. Billy Gilmore, he's still so young. He's not even playing for Norwich at this moment in time. And he still has the composure and the technical ability to completely dominate a game. Mm-hmm. And what else is to say about John McGinn that hasn't been said? We've got an, an embarrassment of riches in that midfield area. 
we're really, really lucky to have so many options, but they're untouchable, really, aren't they? I think if you were to have any position of the pitch locked in for the next, realistically, four or five years, you would say... Hey, Callum McGregor's only 28. Leave them. Don't touch them. They're there. Don't touch them. I was actually saying to my mate, it was on, on, the, on the night on Monday, we both kind of looked at each other at one point and went, Callum McGregor's actually unbelievable tonight. Yeah. He was just having such a good game, breaking into the play, as Struan said, kind of open himself up to be constantly available, progressive. He did the dirty work as well when he needed to. It just all around excellent performance. Everyone knows my affinity towards Ayrshire's own Billy Gilmore. Uh, again, I just thought he was absolutely excellent. And I did say, it, I, well, I understood the substitution from Steve Clark bringing on Kenny McLean for Gilmore. Of course, Gilmore was on the uh, yellow card, didn't want to risk him yeah. if there was to be anything happening in the last kind of 15, 20 minutes. And he's not played a lot of football this season, so not want to play him for the full 90 made sense. So I did feel we lost a little bit of the control in the midfield when Gilmore came off, which says a lot about him as a player and a lot about him as a talent. And I've already gushed about John McGinn. I don't. I, I, I would just. I would gush about John McGinn for hours on end. But we've got limited time on this podcast. What I will say is John McGinn's arse is the eighth wonder of the world, and I will stand by that fact for as long as I live. And as Alan McCoy said, that must be some team that Norwich because fucking hell, <laughs> <I swear laughs> how the fuck is Willie Gilmore will play for you? <laughs> honestly, um, straight. I'll come to you uh, quickly on uh, a point that Jack can alluded to there. Billy Gilmore leaving the pitch because of the the booking situation, and. Um, We've got that the the situation that was talked about a lot coming into the game that Steve Clark felt very hard done by the system of bookings and going into the, the playoffs and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it's very hard to get a booking, as Steve Clark said, when you only commit six fouls in the entire game. That just speaks to the professionalism of this team that it was obviously talked about before. They obviously knew what the situation was and not a single player got booked. It's absolutely incredible, to be honest, because you'd back at least one player to get booked in this game. You know how tough the opposition are. Even if it's just one of these tactical fouls or something on the halfway line, you'd expect at least one player to. But the discipline was absolutely fantastic. And I think that just shows how far this team have come. You know, they're not only performing with their feet, they're also performing with their heads. You know, their discipline's fantastic. We're not getting any risky yellow cards. And I think a lot of the players knew that if they were to be booked, obviously not only do they miss out on the upcoming game, but if it was a massive player like your Callum McGregor's, like your Andrew Robertson's, you know how big of a difference that could make to the to the upcoming playoffs. And I think the players deserve a lot of credit for that, but I think Steve Clark does as well. You know, obviously he does a lot on the training pitch. I think his man management with the Scotland national team, regardless of how quote-unquote boring the football may be at times, I think his man management is absolutely excellent. The players clearly want to play for him, they enjoy playing for him, and I think that goes to show with just how well they played on Monday. He's did it himself. Strun's got me straight on to the next talking talking about Graham, which of course I'm going to come to you on. Um, <laughs> you said on this very podcast uh, a couple of months ago that you felt that uh, Scotland it would behoove Scotland to part ways with Steve Clark um, and go for a fresh approach with this talented group of players. Were you wrong? Uh, yes, obviously. I don't think... I That's think all I needed. I think <laughs> what I said was wrong. I don't think I gave bad reasons as to why. Yeah. I'm just glad I didn't listen to them. Like, there were valid concerns that I made about the team. It was post-Demark. Post-Demark was a post-Moldova at home. That I thought were legitimate concerns... Given Steve Clark's kind of background for defensive football, and we've already talked about 
the progressiveness, like the progressive football we've played and the more attacking style we've played kind of since Austria. Like, I thought I made points at that time that made a lot of sense mm. and things have turned around and I'm just glad that, <laughs> I'm delighted that it has. I'm, I'm, I'm delighted to say that I was wrong that Steve Clark should not have been sacked. he's turned it around. I mean, if, if I'm allowed to, <laughs> could I gush for a wee bit, please? Um, because... I've seen this film before. Like it, it, it happened at my football club, where nothing was going right. It there was a big disconnect, seemingly between the players on the pitch from each other. Definitely from the players on the pitch to the fans in the stands, and and I guess higher up as well with the board. And I guess the comparison there would be the SFA. That it was so far from harmon- harmonious, and it was so far from successful that you didn't think that things could change quickly let alone at all and the fact that Steve Clark has come into this job I mean was it 32 months ago we lost 3-0 in Kazakhstan um, and in that time so was that a year two years and a half wait what no wait a year and a half um, wait how did months work like two years and a half sorry <laughs> how long is that Almost three years. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it was a, it was a two and a half years. Two and a half. Twenty first of March, twenty nineteen. My initial one was right. Um, that he, the fact that we've got from that place to here now, and I mean, look, getting to the World Cup is going to be really, really hard, um, and uh, it might still not happen. But the fact that we're now so, so proud of this football team again means a lot to me, and I think that means a lot to most Scotland fans. I actually um, looked up this tweet the other night from me because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm plugging myself. But um, I remember tweeting this when uh, Steve Clark left Kilmarnock and I said that he made a town fall in love with its team again. Hopefully he can do the same with our country. Um, he has done that. Like, mm-hmm. Ham, that, that atmosphere at Hamden was unbelievable. I wasn't at the Israel game, so I've never experienced anything like that at Hamden Park before. And... I just hope we can keep it up and I hope that people don't turn if the World Cup doesn't go the way it should. I hope people can see the journey that we're on and I think that he's got all these players, they buy into the system, they buy into each other, they keep talking about it like the the sort of club atmosphere that we have now at Scotland, that means so much, you can tell that they're gutted, I'm gutted that there's a four month break from watching Scotland, I want to watch them again tomorrow, uh, it's fun again and that means so much in international football, yeah there you go. I've seen on Twitter quite a lot, and it's, it's a lot of English Premier League fans complaining about international breaks and, and how annoying it can be. But from a Scotland point of view, I think everybody's been buzzing for the upcoming international breaks, to be honest. And it's not something that you always associate with international breaks, getting away from club football. And I think that just backs up the point you've made, that Scottish fans are just loving watching the national team at the moment. And Graham, I guess you could speak to that before. There's been highs and lows, there's been good times and bad times, but this is, feels special. There's nothing like a Scotland win, like really. It's just like it's everywhere. Like in club football, if your team win, there's always an opposite, like of negative people that kind of like. Although you don't, you shouldn't, you don't really listen to them, but like it's there. It's just like pure euphoria around the whole country when Scotland win, and it. I don't know if it's the same happening. I've got friends that weren't really into Scotland a couple of years ago. 
and now I'd say they're properly, properly invested. In that. yep, that's, so. that's that's Euro's run, but it's also it's Serbia, obviously, and it's this qualifying campaign. And I think it's people that will. St- I don't think it's people that will like go away if like we we go bad. I think they're I think they're now involved because they've realised that when things are good with Scotland, it's like it is like the top level of yep. kind of fe- like feeling good that you can have su- supporting a team. Yeah, it, it, it's it's unbelievable, and um, yeah, uh, hopefully there'll be more special nights at Hamlet like that, and hopefully the playoff semi final in late March is going to be one of those. And we now know, of course, who our potential opponents are. The draw is next Friday. Um, of course, Scotland are seeded due to that uh, fantastic win on Monday, so it means that we have avoided Portugal, Italy, Russia, Sweden and Wales, at least for the semi-final, and we will definitely play at home to one of the following teams, that's Turkey, Poland, North Macedonia, Ukraine, Czech Republic and Austria. See, every person I've spoken to about this has had a different team they want the least, which is quite interesting, maybe speaks to the fact that this is a fairly level playing field Jack I mean who stands out to you as somebody you'd love to see come to Hamden and who are you definitely wanting to stay away from I mean obviously obviously we want to have a, we want to have North Macedonia at Hamden I, yeah. think, I think out of the lot that is probably the big the, the big money prize you would say uh, <laughs> I would argue Turkey could potentially be quite manageable as well especially if it is the turkey that we See, saw in the summer that's but i'm not entirely mental to me i know be. they had a bad euros but they're still a good team mm. they're one I of our most feared out of the law i think most feared probably ukraine yes maybe austria up there as well because yeah. you would imagine they uh, maybe have their with... best players back uh i don't know uh, i think the, uh, the czechs uh, and uh who, who else was our final uh, team poland. sorry poland Aside from Lewandowski, I think uh, Graham said this on the night. <laughs> aside from Lewandowski, which is a, a, a big caveat. The ball aside, door from, aside from maybe the best player in the world right now. You've got to factor in the Grant Hanley would 100% pocket him. You do, yeah. That, yeah, well, yeah, I suppose you're right there. Um, Graham, I know you've got uh, thoughts on this. Like, uh, I was talking to Cam at uni today. He said, oh, "I just really doesn't want the Czech Republic." And I was like, "What? Like, that's one of the ones I would take the most." I, mean, I was thinking the same, to be really, fair. Actually, but I, I, I don't mean, know if I want the Czech Republic purely because, like, like, from a football perspective, I think it's alright. But it's genuinely, I am sick of playing that lot. Every time you play yeah. them, it's just, it's like it feels so much bigger. Obviously. Well, I say it from a Rangers perspective, but I think even the Rangers stuff is like that. That's not just like exclusive oh, to the course. Rangers. Yeah, everyone hates yeah. everyone hates the Czech Republic. It's not only the Rangers fans. We hate the racists in the Czech Republic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, I there's so much more like baggage that comes with that. I don't know. If I can like emotionally and take of, that. Of course, you as, as well. But I think yeah. what I said about Austria. I, I feel like if we get Austria, they'll be out to prove a point against us because they didn't beat us in qualifying. That they might step up their game. I know fans were extremely unhappy with our win in Vienna. That reverse is true for Scotland, perhaps, and that they'll be mm. ultra motivated. Not that you need any more motivation, but uh, I think that Scotland will be out to really prove themselves against a Czech Republic team who, because of that loss in the opening day or, or opening game, sorry, of the Euros, kind of derailed the rest of our campaign. Ultimately, Jack said though, that none of these teams are truly. F- I think we could beat every single one at Hamden. Yeah, one hundred percent. We could beat. We could beat any of them anywhere. I honestly think that we could. St- we we could still beat them there. I don't think any of them are massively better than Austria. I mean, one in Vienna. True. I would probably say it's fair. I think it's fair, but like, 
get the hand on the Yeah, yeah. and then that's the case. Uh, who's getting who's the home final, getting in the home final, home final like, as well. So, yeah. and that's annoying. I find it so mystifying. That's a draw, like a random draw. Mm. I thought maybe you'd do that in terms of like a points from the group, like top, like you were three or second best second place, maybe the top three get the home ties, mm-hmm. or even a neutral venue. I think the random draw is such a strange thing to me. Because it's such an advantage. I think just imagine made... that last minute winner in a home draw final, like something like a McTominay or an Adams that like we saw. Just so imagine Hamden. <laughs> I think Hamden would generally collapse. I think genuinely, I felt the ground shaking underneath me uh, uh, at that uh, Israel winner. If we won a playoff final at the end of this World Cup, I genuinely think the gaff collapses, mate, to be honest. I think what the important thing is that politicians like to bag on, like they bag on football and they don't really like to uh, kind of like ride the coattails of it. It happened yesterday. I think it's time that Nicola Sturgeon and the government put the money where their mouth is and declare war on Portugal and Italy so that we don't... Because Russia and Ukraine cannot play each other because of the war in Crimea. Uh, which is still ongoing. So that's uh, fine. Like, <laughs> so I think what we need to do. Uh, I think what we need to do is declare. It's time for Nicola Sturgeon to declare war on Italy because they don't deep fry their pizzas. Yeah. And declare war on Portugal because of Ronaldo. Not because of Ronaldo. Let's not give him the airtime. He's a one hundred top one hundred player, maybe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an <laughs> Just because, like, fuck them. <laughs> well, they're a lovely country. It's hard to pick holes in Portugal. To As Cameron but... once the once said, Portugal's the cleanest country he's ever been to. So get don't. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Stay in the group chat. <laughs> 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 Out of context, oh. everyone else in the group chat. Oh my god. <laughs> Rafa Guerrero is a very good left back for Portugal, isn't he? There's a, there's a podcast name. <laughs> We're serving absolutely nobody but ourselves here. This is just going to be like two minutes of laughter in no context. I'm really sorry, listeners. Some, as I said, some things they need to stay in the group chat. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, so that's our message to the First Minister. <laughs> Please declare war on two countries so we don't have to play them in football. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Uh, yeah, but I, I, we all can't wait for those uh, March games, maybe, hopefully. Um, and uh, there'll be a reaction to the draw on this very network um, when it happens next Friday. So, that was a lovely 42-minute chat about Scotland. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was great to just wax lyrical about, in my opinion, the best international team in the world right now. God bless Steve Clark. Um, but what we're going to do now is stick to an Energy Extra Time classic, move over to see how I am... The reigning champion, having won once last week, um, so I'm allowed to defend my crown once again as Graham takes to the host chair as he does, also oh well. What we up to Graham? Well, yeah, well, Sean, we just look forward at the playoff seeds. So let's look back a little bit for Scotland because this was our best qualifying group mm-hmm. of all time: seven wins, two draws, one defeat. Oh, but Steve Clark. It's not always been that good. There's been some bad. There's been some, lots of teams 
There's been some good, there's been some bad, some really bad in there. I want you to know, I want you to name any of the teams that have been in a Scotland World Cup or Euro qualifying group since the 2002 World Cup qualifying group. Why did I pick that one? Because it's the first one I remember. You'd walk this. <laughs> I would walk this. I don't know how easy this is. I would find it really easy. Yeah. I don't got... think you should. So yeah. any of the, I'm not going to I'm actually not going to tell you how many teams there are. But name yeah. any of the teams that Scotland have been in a group with and played in a qualifying group for the World Cup or the Euros since 2002. Uh, we'll start with young Struan Garvey, then we'll go to young Jack Donnelly, then we'll go to Sean at the end. Can I just check if the current group counts? Yes, the current group counts. Cool. Um, you can go when you like. I'll start with Denmark, the team who we defeated 2-0 on Monday night. Very that is correct. <laughs> I'll go with Moldova, the team we defeated 2-0 on Friday night. And also in our 2006 World Cup oh. qualifying group. I'll go with Austria, the team we drew 2-0 with at Hamden and then beat 1-0 in Vienna. Yep. I'll go with Israel, the team who we play against at many, many qualifying groups. It's, it's funny, they've actually only been in one qualifying group with us, which is quite funny, just Nations League. Do the Nations League not count in this? Oh, no, it's just um, No Nations League. Oh, okay. Now the Faroe Islands, please. The Faroe Islands? Been in many a Scotland group. I believe they've been in three or four. I believe we've now finished this group. <laughs> um, so I'm going to move and tick off a big boy and say France. France, of course, famously didn't beat Scotland in either of the games they played in that group. Fucking losers. <laughs> I'll tick off another big boy in... I think they're still the current world number ones in Belgium. Belgium. Played them out of things, including 2002. Ooh. Ooh, I was just thinking recently. Scotland were 2 up against Belgium in that group and bottled it in the last minute and drew 2-2. Two two. Graham, could I please have my sweepstake team? The, the Ruskies. The Ruskies. You can indeed hammer does kind of in both games, to be honest with you. Yeah, who's that? Russia. Oh, thanks. <laughs> 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 I'm going to tick off... Oh, wait, was that a playoff? No. No, we don't play playoffs. No playoffs. We've not, we've not been in a playoff forever. That's the whole point. So it's fine. Um, Italy, please. Italy? So we haven't been in a playoff. We were in a playoff last year. Do ball. Well, I mean, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I meant World Cup. Um, can I have Wales, please? You can have Wales. When were we? Have we recently been in a group of Wales? Uh, we yeah, lost the 2014 two, World Cup. Oh, yeah. That's what it was. Lost 2-1 to them in Wales uh, in Cardiff. Gareth Bales dived and he scored a screamer. Oh, uh, a screamer, yeah, yeah. I, remember I think it was one of Gordon Strachan's first games. So there was one, one where Grant Hanley put us 1-0 up, I'm sure, and mm-hmm. then they came like back and won it 2-1. Uh, so I think that, that was the sent off in that game. Yeah, so that... Was <clears> that the one Naismith got sent off in? Was it Naismith? I thought it was Snoddy. I'm sure Naismith got sent because I was at the game and nobody knew what had actually happened until you saw it back on TV. Right, we need to get moving. <laughs> yep, Jack. I'm buying you time. Uh, Could I have Poland, please? Poland, yes. Your first ever Scotland game. As you embarrassingly told my dad. Yep. Do you remember the fan who ran onto the pitch to get the photo? No, yeah, it was embarrassing too. Added the time on that they got the equaliser in. One of my favourite Scotland goals came from a catch Anya in Germany. Mm-hmm. Played, had, had them in a couple of groups, including 2004 Euros as well. I believe in the same group that we had with Wales back in the 2014 one, we had um, Serbia. Mm-hmm. 
We did have Serbia. Uh, Sean Maloney won their goal. Uh, the Republic of Ireland. Mm-hmm. England. Somebody had to say eventually. We had Croatia. We've not had Croatia. Been in the group. For being fuck. No, we have had Croatia. We've not. Said, it's not been said. We've had Croatia like three times. We've played them all the time. Uh, say, I'm sure we played Croatia. Mr. Sinclair, can I please have uh, Georgia? Georgia. Ooh. Fuck them. Oh. Eastern European England. Um, I am going to go for uh, Kazakhstan. Mm-hmm. We're just hitting off the hits now. Yeah, I'm feeling uh, I'm alright. Can I have Slovenia, please? I might need to start thinking of tiebreakers. <laughs> oh, sorry, my mic was muted. Uh, could I please have Macedonia? Fuck me. I thought that was one people would struggle with. Uh, yes, lost to them in the hot sun in 2010. Struan took Slovenia, I'll take Slovakia. No! Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Come with me, and you'll see. In a world of I'm sure you. Stephen Fletcher scored a hat trick against Gibraltar. He scored two hat tricks against Gibraltar. <laughs> was that was that qualifying? Yeah, They're both qualifying. Yes, they scored. They must have scored their first ever international goal against us. <laughs> <laughs> what a striker! Eh? Yeah, did we not go one 0 up and then they equalised? Yeah, like immediately after or something. And you got Ian Cooker's classic. Oh no! A lot of groans here. People might be struggling. Bank Sean's feeling good. I don't want to risk it in case it's already been said. Mm -hmm. Right. What was? I'm just trying to go back chronologically. You know that way. Yeah. I I get Spain. I don't think anybody said Spain. No one said Spain. I could get a hand in that one. Another glorious failure. Two three defeat. Um, I'm not going to let anyone actually another game that's a favourite of mine because I saw a Kilmarnock player score for Scotland San Marino mm-hmm. so you keep taking my ones I was going to mention the John McGinn hat trick that was against San Marino wasn't I had it? San Marino back in 2002 as well you're struggling a little bit struggling a big bit um <laughs> See, we're now at that stage where I can't remember who's been said and who hasn't been said. I'll say there, there's ten left. There's ten left. I'm trying to think back to that group that had like the San Marinos and Kazakhstans in it. Yeah. 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 Mhm. I'm gonna give you ten seconds here. Was Cyprus one of them? Cyprus was the last team in that group, yes. Oh, yeah. Steve Clark's first game. Mm-hmm. The Wolves started up front. That was his he first lead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm at the point where I might just start listing off countries. Mm-hmm. I'm getting there. Uh, we go. I'm just trying to think. 
Yeah. Did we play? Because I think Sean and I had the same idea with what Strange said, but I can't actually remember if that one had been said or not. Ten seconds. I think we played the Netherlands in qualifying for 2010. Yeah. A wonderful atmosphere at Hampton Park. Oh. A wonderful atmosphere at Hampton Park. And David, we were slipped in the last five minutes and Eligero Elia scored and we couldn't go to that playoff. Yes, that was yes. one of them. <laughs> um, but I'm still pretty sure that fairly recently, I think in the England group we had Lithuania. Oh my god, that's the third time. <laughs> <laughs> we did. Drew one woman at home in that group. Ollie Burke. They played long balls up to Ollie Burke, and that was kind of the end for Gordon Strachan, even though he continued for the rest of the group. How near left, Graham? Well, I believe I said 10 three answers ago. So, seven. How's your maths doing? Um. There's actually eight. I don't know how there's eight. I must have counted wrong before. My math is not good. <laughs> Wait, so is there five left? Or is there Four, eight? five, six, seven. No, there's eight currently left. There was 11 before and I said Oh, so right, okay. I thought you meant there was like eight before. Mm-hmm. You've got ten seconds. Have Albania been said? And have we had them in a qualifying group? Albania. We had them Nations League. But we didn't have oh, them in a qualifying no. group. Mm. Albania, you're currently out, Struan. Jack can knock you out with a correct answer here. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) This is really testing. It is tough, isn't it? Anyone said Norway? Norway has not been said, and it is correct. (sighs) Played Norway in a couple of groups, 2006. Kevin Miller scored two in a lovely light blue kit away in Norway and then 2010 uh, Chris Ewellumo missed. Chris Ewellumo didn't know he missed anything. No. Somebody should I heard of the colour commentators <laughs> they still think it's in. <laughs> um, I'm still feeling okay. I don't know if I am because I could just be completely wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think we played Iceland. <laughs> Yep, we had a couple of Iceland, I think that same group, but we had Norway and I think we had Iceland in that one. Is that right? I'm not sure if it is, actually. I have no idea. No, I think they were in the same group as the Netherlands and Massive. I'm getting to guessing stage now, though. Mm-hmm. Jack. Yeah, no, I think I might be done, to be honest. Uh, I'm at the point I'm at the point now where I genuinely just can't remember what's been said, and there's a couple that would baffle me if they hadn't been said. Mm-hmm. But... I think I'd be scraping the bottom of the barrel if I went for anything else. I I, it's, I don't remember it being said. I'm almost certainly convinced it has been, but I've got nothing else. Graham, Italy have been said, haven't they? Yep. Sean okay. said Italy. And now Sean has a chance to win the seat out. Yeah, I also have a chance to put my phone, my laptop on charge because I'm on 4%. So if you hear me rustling around while I'm trying to get this answer, I'm also doing that. But I'm not just trying to save myself time. Um... I am um, I'm kind of guessing stages, but I do kind of also think we played two teams I've got in my head, and I'm going to start with the one I'm more confident in, and say Liechtenstein. Liechtenstein, Sean, you have one seat out for two in a row. Of course, the famous two one against Liechtenstein. Don't remember being famous, but <laughs> one, two, three. 
uh, four and five left. I don't want to shout her name out. They've thought of in their head or I, had in their head. I, I'm Greece. not sure now. Never had Greece. Bosnia? No. Never had Bosnia. See, that was my other one there, so I would have been out. We you actually missed one. Jack, any of like, kind of guesses you had in your head or were you completely done? Have you ever played Northern Ireland in a... Nope. But no, we had... And I, we, I was I, done. I believe we missed one from the England group. We missed Malta. Oh, yeah. I don't remember playing Malta at all. That's we beat them 5-1 in Malta and 2-0 at home. Don't uh, we played Czech Republic in a qualifier. The 4-6-0. Of course, of course. I, was like, I don't know if two, we played the Czech Republic. And then the 2-2 where uh, the boy died in the last minute. Uh, the worst one you missed out was Ukraine, which I mentioned in this entire this fucking podcast. It's one of our best ever games. We won three one, uh, and then there are two that I thought were quite probably the toughest. We played Belarus in two thousand and six. We lost one 0 at home to them. That was when Alexander Haleb was like a Belarusian star playing for like Arsenal or Barcelona, and in two thousand and two we played Latvia as well. I thought those were the two hardest. I'll be basking in my victory right. after making it right. two in a row. But who'll be basking in victory at Hamden this weekend? Look at that seamless, it's beautiful. Um, back to Hamden for League Cup semi-finals. How exciting. Um, on Saturday, I'm going to guess which one's on Saturday, St Johnston take on Celtic. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um which will be good because um, one of those teams dominates Scottish football and the other one's Celtic. So, can the mighty pair Saints, Struan, keep up their trophy tear? Alliteration, everyone. I think a lot of neutrals in Scotland would love that to be the case, but I think Celtic will just have too much for them this weekend, unfortunately. I don't think it's the same St Johnston team that we, we came to know and love last year. I think Celtic will probably... See to them. Although I could, I could very easily be wrong. Graham, did you come to know and love St. Johnson last season? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that's that's nice. it was, that's Perhaps that was too It's just a wonderful story. I Obviously, beat, beat my team, but it, but it still was a pretty incredible yeah. story. That's a, and it meant that Stephen Gerrard only won one out of nine trophies. Mm, so mm, that was very true. <laughs> just a oh, disgrace. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think strange, right? I think St. Johnson have regressed this season. Yeah. Maybe they're, just, maybe, they're, maybe they're just like deliberately aggressing so that they can sh- like just make like showcase how good last season was. Like we are pish and we won two trophies. Maybe that's what they're doing this season, but they haven't been very good for the most part. And I think Celtic will have too much for them. And uh, Jack, how interesting a game is Hibs versus Rangers, considering neither side have a manager. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I didn't expect to get asked about this one to be honest I thought I thought the Hibs angle was going to go straight to Struan uh, what the Celtic fan what What, what do you mean ah uh, here he is he's barking up that three again uh, I'm intrigued by this one uh, I think anyone it's probably the more interesting of the two ties coming into coming into the weekend uh, I, I, I don't know that's a bit unfair to say I mean St Johnson cup holders and all but you would probably back Celtic to get themselves into the final I say that and we'll have my foot in my mouth come tea time the, the, the thing Saturday. is I also back Rangers to get into the final in this one <laughs> I don't think Hibs are very good mm, I know aye, they've kind of been going through the, the motions a little bit recently Hibs haven't they it's not been the best time for the old Hibies uh, Rangers are currently rudderless I suppose without, uh, without a true head coach in charge I mean they've got the coaching staff that have taken on the role at the moment we're Expecting Gio Van Bronckhorst to be in the hot seat at Ibrox imminently, 
but there's no confirmation as of this current recording at 10 to 9 on Wednesday night, uh, but no guarantee that he'd even be at the helm for Sunday's game, so interested to see how it pans out anyway. Definitely interesting. Graham. how do you feel about uh, Rangers going into this game? Considering it's, a, it's the start of a new era and at this moment in time, an uncertain one. Yeah, I'm glad that Hibs haven't played in a month, that's for sure. Uh, I'm kind of looking at the opposition being shite. <laughs> I've kinda, I'm now in the stage where I've convinced myself that Stephen Gerrard wasn't, his head wasn't in it this year, so that's why we were bad. And because Stephen Gerrard's gone, it'll be a new fresh Rangers ready mm. to go again and really kick on for this season. That's what I've convinced myself. But really, I'm just glad Hibs uh, haven't played in a month because I'm hoping, hopefully they won't be... Uh, Philly match fit and will be a bit lackadaisical in that we'll see us over the line because Hibs and we put it Ibrox Hibs are better until Ryan Porteous did what Ryan Porteous likes to do that is what Ryan Porteous likes to do uh, Struan Graham raises a very good point there Hibernian have not played football in a month and that makes playing football uh, more difficult than playing football usually is so how do you think Hibs will play football this weekend when they're tasked with playing football be a very difficult one to see what players are actually available to play that football as mm. I'm led to believe I think the team is back after the the COVID protocol I don't know if if there are still any players actually currently unavailable and obviously you don't know the effects that it will have had on the team so that's definitely a, a question mark coming into this one I think there's four players away on international duty as well Martin Boyle played earlier on today at the time of recording this for Australia so maybe a bit of a, a race against time if he's coming back into the lineup but it, they'll It'll definitely be a difficult one. I know Rangers don't have a manager at the moment. They probably have Van Bronckhorst by Sunday. Not that that'll really be a be a huge asset, given they won't have had much time to take the team training. But I would still fancy Rangers coming into this one. You know, Hibs lost their last four games before they had this COVID problem anyway. So things are definitely not great from a Hibernian point of view. It will be interesting as we watch them play football. I I assume we're both gonna we're all gonna go. Sorry, I didn't mean both. I didn't mean to discount Struan like that. Um, we're all going to go with one of these League Cup semi-finals as our game of the week. But which one are we going to pick? I'll ask Jack because those two support those teams. It's probably the one on Sunday. To be fair, it's probably Rangers Hibs. Yeah, it probably is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, let's go with that. Okay, that was easy. Yeah. Uh, the energy extra time game of the week is Rangers versus Hibernian in the Premier Sports Cup semi final at Hampden Park. And kickoff is at one o'clock. <coughs> one o'clock. No, it's four. It's four. It's four. It's four. It's four. It's four. <laughs> oh, great. It's four. <laughs> Bang on, Struan. Thanks for saving my blushes. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad I didn't just guess because that would have been, been really embarrassing if I just shouted a number out. Um, so thanks for that, Struan. So at four o'clock, I'm led to believe, um, and that the Premier Sports Cup <laughs> is on. Premier Sports. No, it's four. It's four. Yeah, Graham actually knows. Uh, he, I didn't know. I just checked. Okay. I also said we would know by tea time whether I'd had my foot in my mouth on Saturday, but we won't because it's a quarter past five kickoff, and it depends on when tea time is. But that's the average tea time, so I'm an idiot as well. You're not alone, Struan. Thank you. Well, my tea time was extending. That's why we're late that. recording this podcast. So let's get it wrapped up and I'll say a big thank you to everyone who listened to this 
Scotland loving episode of Energy Extra Time. Make sure to subscribe so it's in your feed automatically wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to find us on Twitter, we're at ENRG Extra Time. And check out the award winning website, energysport.net. Lots of good stuff going up there as always. Them on social media, that lot. Act like I'm as if I'm not in charge. It's at ARG Sport on Twitter and on Instagram. I'll say a massive thank you to Jack Donnelly, Struan Garvey, and Graham Sinclair for joining me. I've been Sean McGill. Scotland are the best team on earth, and we'll see you again very, very soon. <laughs>